Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey, y'all. This is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoy today's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat, episode 10 of season four. I am Nick. You can follow me on Twitter at Nats Moose, and I am joined by my colleagues and friends and co-hosts and all the above, Ryan and Trey, as we wrap up ranking seasons, ranking season, talking about pitchers, uh, we are going to cover the majority of the episode will cover the starting pitching, but we will touch on uh, the relievers at the end, show some love to some of the best relievers in the game, but be sure to follow them on Twitter at we are all shack and at reverse two R's two S's uh, because they are great follows fellas. How are we doing tonight? Hanging in there with uh, Rizzo's lack of moves, you know, just kind of watching the season go down the drain. Yep. Well, I mean, I, I announced the Nats were dead on the last episode, and since then, I don't think they've won they a game. Not been revived. I mean, it's spring training, but like they're one and eight. They've scored a total of twenty-eight runs in nine games. Uh, it's a pretty good indication of things to come. Like spring training stats usually don't matter, but I mean, <laughs> in this case, writing yeah, the writing <laughs> is on the wall there, my my friends. So the Nats are dead. Um, I guess. Uh, oh, Luis Garcia officially optioned to AAA. That was kind of big news. The Nats continue to make PR signings, most recently signing uh, Tyler Clippard. Granted, it was a non-roster invite, but knowing the Nats, he's going to make the roster. So, yeah, that's just you know a blast right now. And, uh, Ryan, I'm sure you're loving that, all the PR moves. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not commenting on them. <laughs> um, there's certain players' names that I have not mentioned on my Twitter account, and there's certain players' names I will not mention the rest of the season. 
And yeah, that's that's all I got to say about the matter. That's fair enough. But one thing I do want you to comment on, uh, we got some breaking news over the past week or so since we recorded last. Uh, the Shaq's uh, no reason player he hates for 2022 was announced, and that was Nelson Cruz. Shaq, obviously this is your list. It is very popular, but also very damning. Uh, the history is not on the player's side when it comes to the player you irrationally hate. Um, why Nelson Cruz and why now? Um, I don't know if you guys can hear, but Finn is currently having a conversation with himself right now. Well, because um, he hates Nelson Cruz too. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to chime in. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, this is my favorite time of the year. It gets a lot of interest and a lot of fun. It, this was a very important decision. You know, I've gone Michael A. Taylor, Adam Eaton, 2020, I went to Struble Cabrera. It doesn't really count. 2020, 2020 was weird. And last year was the best year. You know, John Lester picked him and we know how that went. Lester completely caved under the pressure of me picking him as a player of going to hate for no reason. And he couldn't handle it so much that he flipped everyone off on his way out. And, you know, looking at the roster this year, picking my guy for who I was going to hate for no reason was kind of tough. Um <laughs> Half the team I was looking at probably wasn't going to make the roster. Um, a lot deserved of people, it. <laughs> exa- exactly. Or like, you know, there's a lot of people who are going to be DFA'd, not going to make the roster. There's also a lot of people on the team who had a lot of reason not to like them. So in reality, I was kind of picking from like five people. And I was thinking to myself, who is funny enough because they're so well liked that everyone's going to react to it. And he's probably going to be traded in July, fuels my narrative. And that was just Nelson Cruz. So Nelson, I am your biggest hater this year for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Kind of by process of elimination, but hey, that's all right. It's the best way to get there. Yeah, it's kind of like the last guy standing. <laughs> there were no other options. Congrats, Nelson. That's what Mike Rizzo was signing you up for and with all these lies. Not only were they not going to be a competitor, you were also going to be hated irrationally by uh, some of the, the most prominent Nats fans uh, on social media. So uh, congratulations, sort of, to Nelson Cruz on that uh, prestigious title. <laughs> he he can have that in his uh, illustrious career and uh, for his new team for the second half of 2022. But uh, I don't think, oh, the, the other big news, and, you know, it's, it's sort of a PR move, so it kind of goes along the lines of what we were talking about, but Cardinals brought back uh, Albert Pujols, which I thought was pretty cool. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Love it. I'm really happy that he is signed somewhere. Um, I just wanted, sorry, I fell for a fake, t- fake account right now, but <laughs> I wanted, I want him to sign somewhere just cause I want to watch Nelson Cruz race. <laughs> <laughs> he only, he only needs 21 more home runs, get 700 and the Cardinals cheat. So he should probably get that this year. Yeah. The devil but magic. The Cardinals devil magic, man, makes no sense. <laughs> But even cooler, um, Yadier Molina, Albert Pujols, and Adam Wainwright are all probably playing their last seasons. And they're all playing together in St. Louis. That's pretty cool to watch them go out as well. And we're going to be history watching all year because, like I said, he only needs 21 more home runs before he gets 700. Yeah, that's an example of a PR move gone correctly, like without severely hindering your team or just, you know, strictly being a PR move like Albert Pujols has a legitimate reason to still be playing. And there was some, I don't know if it was MLB Network or whoever, was showing his stats against left-handed pitching in particular, and he still hits them very, very well, even at, I mean, who knows how old he is. There was that, you know, 
the clip that came out that kind of contradicted how old he said he was. But um, even at this age, he's still hitting lefties at a very high level. So he has something to provide with the the DH and the NL. Now, Trey, what are your thoughts? Oh, I'm a huge fan. Uh, you know, just it's it's you know we had it with Zim. Obviously, a lot of fans were very attached to Zim, who stayed for a long time. And then you get Wainwright and Molina, both both are like that. And then you get you know, the literally the best player in the organization's history to come back to retire. Uh, I think Cardinals fans are going to be shedding a lot of tears come the end of this season, uh, but I'm sure that they wouldn't want it, wouldn't want it any other way. God, that, I mean, Ryan, Ryan said it too, but Wainwright, Molina, and Pujols all having their final swan song, final home series of the year, that's going to be must watch. Even if you're not a Cardinals fan, that's end of an era. Uh, but pretty cool to see goodbye the Cardinals and uh, you know good for Albert Pujols getting you know another shot to hopefully make some history. Hey, did y'all but, see the uh, the contract by the way? <laughs> he no, has some fun- he has some funny incentives. He has like, like what? he has like an MVP incentive and like a batting <laughs> title incentive and like all these things. Definitely not going to get, but. Uh, it was, it just, he could make a million more dollars if he does all that. So Shoot I guess your shot. Why not? Why not? Yeah. I, mean, I just thought it was it, pretty funny. It would it'd suck big time if you like did have MVP season and then, you know, you didn't have any incentive, you know, at least financially to, to do so. So, Hey, I like it. I respect it, but let's get into our rankings. As I said, at the top, we are wrapping up ranking season, combining pitching all into one, but focusing on the starting pitching candidates today. Um, <laughs> sorry. OP, I offered Steven Strasburg for uh Shohei Otani and it got denied. So, uh, you know, that's my short little segue, but starting pitching, we were going to do like our, a good trade to me. I mean, I thought it was fair. I, I don't know what this guy's thinking, but, uh, you know, his loss. Um, but yeah, starting pitching, we will tackle the top 10 tonight. So let's get right into it. Number 10 on. Oh, well, let me preface again, as we've been doing all ranking season long, Ryan and I have our composite list. Uh, that's going to be the one through 10 you hear. Trey has his list. He's going to agree or disagree and provide reasons as to why. So that's how we'll be doing and continue with the pitching rankings tonight. So number 10, we have former Nat Lucas Giolito coming in on our rankings. Ryan had him number eight. I did not have him ranked, but he certainly was an honorable mention. If you're looking at his 2021 season, he had a 4.3 war, 11-9 record, 3.53 ERA, 178 innings, 201 strikeouts with a 1-1 whip. I mean, very, very solid numbers. And just these, I'm not going to say lower tier, that that, you know, makes it sound terrible but that kind of bottom half bottom third of the top 10 rankings there's a lot of guys in consideration and like i said lucas giolito is certainly a honorable mention candidate for me despite uh, me not having him ranked uh, he, he's been solid ever since the time of the trade uh it sucks that the nats couldn't shorten his arm cycle effectively <laughs> like that that's really the big change that the right the white Sox made for lucas giolito obviously it probably wasn't just that, but he's had a lot of success there ever since. Uh, I mean, the 2018 season was rough, but if you exclude that season, it's been pretty, pretty solid for Lucas Giolito in the South side. Ryan, you had him number eight. What do you like about Lucas Giolito so much? Yeah, I'm a big Lucas Giolito fan. 
Um, former top prospect for the Nats got traded for an absolute bum. The White Sox just let him work through his issues. 2018, he was the worst pitcher in baseball. He had an ERA over six, gave up 118 runs. Everyone thought he was a bust, but 2019, 2020, and 2021, he has turned the corner and he has been consistently good. He has finished top 11 in the Cy Young race in the American League the last three years. 2021 was the worst year of the last three where he came 11th. But like I said, he's consistently good. He's going to eat innings. And if you're having a 3-5 or below ERA in the American League, that's rather good. He had a 3-5-3 ERA, and that was fifth best in the American League. Uh, baseball average last year for all pitchers, including relievers, was 4-3. So he's well above league average or well below league average. Excuse me. Julio's seen a lot of success, and that's a lot in part because he's throwing his slider more. Um, he has a 38.3 whiff percent on his slider. He also has a whiff percent over 35 for three pitches. His run value is also elite on his slider at negative nine, and it's even better on his changeup at negative 11. When you look at it, guys aren't hitting his slider well either. They're only batting 173 against it, and guys only hitting 200 against his changeup. All in all, Lucas Giolito is young. He's going to be a perennial Cy Young candidate. He's going to continue to be an all-star. And kind of wish the Nats hung on to him. It did work out for the Nats in the end. But Lucas Giolito is a very good pitcher, and he's only going to get better. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the point about how young he is because everyone remembers the uh, kind of – it was brief, but everyone remembers his time with the big league club, with the Nationals specifically. And it was, you know, a couple games, it was like six games in total. It was not great, but he was only 21 at the time. And that's like very, very young for any MLB prospect, let alone a pitcher. Like pitching tends to develop a little bit later. Just, I mean, look at the guys we have now. Cade Cavalli is older than that, and he's still not up. So, you know, it was just so early to tell what Lucas Giolito really was going to be. His, uh, you know, 2018 season. Ryan mentioned how disastrous it was. He was only 23. So now that he's 24, 25, 26, he's really settled in age 27 in, you know, historically speaking is one of the prime years for, you know, these top tier guys. I I think he's going to really, really take a step forward and he was already very good to begin with. So I think this might be, you know, everyone's been calling for the Cy Young breakout type year for Giolito. This, this might be it. Trey did uh, Lucas Giolito crack your top 10. Uh, no, I had Giolito as an honorable mention, but uh, like you said, Nick, it's pretty pretty tough to rank right right about after that eight spot. There's a lot of guys there, so um, but I really like Giolito as well. Ryan pretty much hit on all of the, everything about his his skill set, and uh, yeah, it's pretty much just waiting for the uh, the Cy Young season. I feel like he has the potential to get to to have it, and uh, just just kind of waiting for that to happen before I start rocketing up the list because. He's only 20, he's only 27. Like you said, he's young. So he's got plenty of time to uh, establish himself. He's pretty much already established himself as a great starter, but he can even elevate to another level. Um, but yeah, he would probably be like my 11, 12 pick, but he's close, close to my top 10. Yeah, certainly. There's a lot of guys, you know, I was considering that have had that elite year you know, that real breakout year, but they don't have the sample size to really go with it. They haven't, you know, performed to that high of a level for two, three, four seasons. Lucas Giolito is kind of the opposite of that, where he has the consistency, but he doesn't have that one elite year. And I'm 
sounds kind of silly to say because a three five ERA is very very good, especially in the AL, like Ryan said. But like we're talking about that elite year, that eye popping year, and it, it feels like that's right around the corner for Lucas Giolito. I mean, number one prospect at the time, you know, for a reason. It seems like we're finally getting to see why, just why. Um, moving on to number nine, uh, NL East division arrival pitcher ace world series champion max freed comes in at number nine on our list ryan and i both had him at number nine if you look at his 2021 season 5.4 war 14 and 7 record 3.04 era 165 innings 158 strikeouts with a 1.09 whip uh max freed has been quite good uh i mean he was very solid in 2019 but 2020, I mean, he was impeccable. Seven, perfect seven and zero, two two five ERA. He was one of the kind of outliers in, in that season. You know, the the wacky 2020 season. It didn't affect him at all. Seemingly, like he was phenomenal. He carried it over, obviously, to a larger sample size in 2021. 165 innings is solid. It's not the you know magic 200 threshold that you know was there in years past, but it's still very solid. He's going to be a perennial Cy Young candidate, or at least a Cy Young candidate this year. Uh, you know, best pitcher on a good team that seems to be Max Freed. And obviously the Raves just won the World Series and seem to, you know, be primed to make a run this year as well. Max Freed, very, very good. Lefty, crafty. I mean, also sil- silver slugger too. So, uh, you know, he can ha- add that to his resume. And uh, maybe that's why, uh, you know, we ranked him in our top 10, but he's also very good on the mound as well. Ryan, what do you like about Max Freed? Yeah, Max is a dark horse Cy Young pick this year. I really like him. He's very effective and he does not hard attack really at all. And he doesn't walk guys. He only walked 41 guys in the 165 innings. That is absurd. Going to the hard contact. He uh, average exit velocity against him last year was 86.5. That was in the top 10% of all pitchers last year. And he does it in large part because of his curveball. He doesn't give up hard contact. Like I said, he does not strike out a lot of guys, make a lot of guys with, but because his off speed is so good, guys get on top of the ball way more than they should. In fact, he gets guys to get on top of it 40% of the time. That's about 8% higher than the league average. When you look at his, Curveball has a run value of negative seven. Has a whiff percent three. Sorry, excuse me. Whiff percent of thirty five. He has a forty three percent K rate on it. Guys only hitting one sixty against it. His slider is just as dangerous. Negative seven run value. Two eight batting average against it. And twenty seven six K percent, which is rather good as well on two pitches. Like I said, he's not going to blow you away. He's not going to make you swing and miss a lot. But his off speed moves a lot. And it's dangerous that he's going to get you to ground out and have a lot of weak contact. And when your defense is as good as the Braves' defense is, you're going to be a very, very good pitcher. It's also worth mentioning, and granted, he's only entering his age 28 season, so it's not like this is anything he or the Braves have to worry about just yet. But being able to induce weak contact at such a young age and have that being such a strong foundation um to your repertoire he's going to age well as a pitcher and he's probably going to be very consistent because sometimes if you're relying on stuffs sometimes the stuff isn't working we've seen great pitchers just kind of lose it maybe just for a year but uh just because they're relying on stuff 
they have those regressions. If Max Fried is doing this based off weak contact and, you know, just mixing pitches, well, typically that's going to age pretty well and he's going to be very consistent and solid moving forward. And he's still in his prime too. So who knows? He might even get better and develop some more swing and miss stuff. Trey, where did uh, Max Fried wind up for you? Max Fried was in my honorable mentions as well. Oh. Uh, Max Fried is basically for me the National League version of Giolito, where they've got consistent. Uh, numbers over the past few seasons I'm just waiting for the big season Uh, with Freed I think he was injured for the first month or so last year Uh, so he couldn't you know get to that 200 innings threshold but I think he's definitely capable of of pitching that many innings he's a zone filler Uh, he attacks doesn't give up hard contact like Ryan said so um, that should bode well for for an innings eater I think he can do it this year and when he does do it he's definitely going to get into my top 10 as well um, but yeah, so I, I'm a huge fan of Max Fried as well. And yeah, that defense behind him is really good too. So pitching a soft contact and he's striking out almost nine guys, uh, per nine innings. So that's, those are, that's a good combo right there. Yeah. That is not too shabby moving on. Well, first of all, the we're two guys in and Trey has had them both as honorable mention. So I'm curious to see how Trey's the rest of Trey's list shakes out. I just had to mention that now in case I'm sure, you know, one guy that's in my top 10 that isn't in (laughs) y'all's. Yeah. But at least just had to mention that if you're following (laughs) along at home, you know, Trey's up to up to right outside. Okay. Right outside. (laughs) Just, just outside. All right. Moving on to number eight in our list. That is another NL East division rival ace star pitcher. That is Zach Wheeler of the Philadelphia Phillies. Coming in at number eight, I had him number seven. Ryan had him number 10, both in the top 10, obviously. 2021 was safe to say his best season yet. Um, 14 and 10 record, but it was the Phillies, so, and wins are a team stat. But 7.7 award, 278 ERA, 32 starts, 213 innings, 247 strikeouts, and a whip just above one. I mean, it, it, he had a phenomenal year, and I think his numbers would be even better if Joe Girardi just was, like, a competent manager. Like, he left him out there uh, for a couple starts that he just didn't need to, and it cost him because he's, you know, all of a sudden throwing 130 pitches or whatever. But he did manage to have uh, three complete games and two shutouts, which each led the league in 2021. The com- complete game is kind of a lost start and I understand because obviously it's such a long season and you know you got to preserve pitchers arms and pitchers are getting injured and Tommy John's at a, the highest rate ever it's as you know commonplace as it's ever been that being said though it is pretty cool when pitchers are able to do it and Zach Wheeler you know was able to do that last year he, he was phenomenal and it's kind of just wild to see his progression after not pitching in 2015 and 2016 with the Mets I mean he had two solid years with the Mets in 2018, 2019 prior to signing with the Phillies. But uh, it's, you know, crazy to see just really how he's gotten better and better uh, each year in, in one way or another. And I th- sucks to say, but he is kind of like climbing these rankings, even though I wish he wouldn't because Phillies division rival, all that stuff. Ryan, uh, Zach Wheeler just cracked your top 10. What do you like about him and what gives you a little bit of pause? Yeah, so when the Phillies signed Wheeler, it was a $118 million deal. Everyone immediately started screaming, that's an overpay. Look what he's done. He's been hurt. 
Now it's a bargain. That's probably the second big contract they signed that has turned into a bargain going to the Phillies. He's been damn good since going to Philly. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Joe Girardi because Joe Girardi cost the man a Cy Young. Granted, that's because they have a terrible bullpen. The man went out in the ninth inning with a shutout, gave up four runs. Things happen with 130 pitches. But when you look at his stat cast last year, it is just everyone's dream. His exit velocity was in the top 1% of the league. His hard hit percentage was in the top 3% of the league. His fastball velocity was in the top 6%. He doesn't give up. He did not give up a lot of hard contact last year, and he got a lot of guys to whiff. That was a big thing. He was truly great last year. How good was he? I'm going to go through that. And I'm also going to tell you why I had him at 10. But when you look at his run value, he had a negative 14 on his four seamer, which is absolutely absurd, by the way. Guys only hit 224 against it, and he got a caper. 33% time in his fastball. His slider run value was negative 11. Guys hit under 200 against it. And his sinker run value was negative 10. He basically has three elite pitches. That he used a lot to be efficient. The sinker get guys ground out a lot. Blow the fastball by him. Slider gets a lot of weak contact. He pitched very, very well last year. And he was very effective. He had a weak contact percent, 10% of the time while he's pitching. League average is 3.7. So, he did not give up a lot of hard contact. The issue is Zach's got a little bit of red flags. The workload last year seems it might have caught up to him a little bit. Um, his fastball velocity was dropping towards the end of the season. And his spring training, which was already delayed for everyone, was delayed for him. I'm not 100% certain what his size is for opening day at the moment, but I know the Phillies were taking it a little light with him in spring training because he was still feeling it from his workload last year that's why i put him at 10 the talents there when he's healthy did the workload last year kill him that's basically the question with him and that's why i had him at number 10 that's entirely fair and you kind of asked the the steven strasberg question i think that's kind of a fair comp they both had uh big time injuries prior to some really great years and saw young caliber campaigns and then now there's injury questions again because of a new record high in workload from the season prior uh, i hope for zach wheeler's sake it doesn't you know turn into a debilitating list of injuries again but the question does remain because uh you know 213 innings is a lot for most pitchers let alone someone coming off you know major or a history of major arm injuries like Zach Wheeler did. It also is worth mentioning, uh, just if you look at his 2021 campaign, his FIP was a 259, which is extremely solid, and we haven't really talked a ton about FIP yet. I, I like using FIP uh, just to kind of gauge and see how accurate the ERA might be because ERA can be deceiving sometimes. Trey, where did Zach Wheeler wind up for you? Did he finally? Did we finally get a pitcher that cracked your top 10? We did. I had a uh, Zach Wheeler at number five on my list. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the stuff, the, the innings, uh, the, I mean, he just, he has the, one of the nastier sliders uh, from a starting pitcher in all of MLB right now. Um, and he, he was really good at limiting, like Ryan said, uh, limiting hard contact. He only gave up uh, 0.7 home runs per nine. He's walking less than two batters per nine. Uh, so he's just going to go out there and overpower you. And there, you know, there is concern, obviously he had a huge workload last year. Um, 
but yeah, they had decent workloads in 19 and 18 as well. So I'm kind of optimistic and come back and still probably not get to that uh, total. I don't think most pitchers this year are going to get to high totals just because of the weird starting uh, spring training, shortened spring training and weird start to the season. But uh, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm hope I'm hopeful that he can come back and still throw, you know, close to 200 innings this season. Yeah, we definitely shall see. And uh, especially with opening day right around the corner, if his status is impacted. All right, moving on to number seven, we finally get our first. Oh, no, just kidding. I was going to say we get our first AL pitcher, but I forgot about Giolito. Uh, but <laughs> we get uh, another AL pitcher, I'll say that. And that is Shane Bieber. I had him number six. Ryan had him number seven. Uh, I'll be honest. I was doing this rankings and the, the way I always do, it, I just do a, a top of my head one through 10. And then I go back and see if I forgot anyone. Uh, I completely forgot Shane Bieber won a Cy Young. And that's not to say like, I forgot how good he is. I still had him ranked pretty high, but I completely forgot about the Cy Young. It was 2020. Say what you want about that season, but he was very, very good in 2020, 2021. He, he battled injuries, only made 16 starts, but in those 16 starts, he, he's still very solid. 2.6 wars, 7-4 and four record, 3.17 ERA in 96 innings, 134 strikeouts to a 1-2-1 whip. Uh, I've always liked Shane Bieber. I think his stuff is dominant. I'm hoping that the health is good now. I'm, I don't know. I haven't looked at the, the latest update uh, you know, with his health and whatnot, but I, I think he is deserving of being in that conversation for best pitcher in the league. Like his, well, it's hard to, when Jacob deGrom exists, but he is up there is what I'm trying to say. And I, I think the shortened season in 2020 due to the pandemic and then injuries in 2021 uh, really kind of impacted the conversation and the inclusion of Shane Bieber in that conversation. But I think he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. And I don't know what Cleveland does. It feels like they're always just pumping out pitchers, but they're not as good as like a Tampa of like making something out of nothing. They're just kind of always nothing, uh, you know, minus 2015 or 16, whatever the world series uh, run was, but Shane Bieber, very, very good. Deserving of all the accolades. I hope, you know, this year he has another dominant year because he's one of my favorite guys to watch. Ryan, what do you like about Shane Bieber so much? Yeah. The question is what is there not to like about Shane Bieber when he's Max. healthy? Um, I want to say when he's healthy, he was hurt last year, but he is he's pretty damn good. And he's continuing the trade, uh, the, the trend of forgotten stars being in Cleveland. Um, since 2019, he has a 2.92 ERA in the American League. That's absolutely ridiculous. He has a whip right around one. Um, you look at him, he's also a strikeout machine, 259 and 19, 122 and 20, which was basically half a season. And he had 134 strikeouts in 96 innings. I was trying to find a stat about his strikeout rate last year. I remember in 2020 and 2021, his strikeout rate was absurd. His K percent was in the top 6% of all baseball. His whiff percent was in the top 3%. He's good. Like he's putting up numbers like this. Yes, the American League Central is rather weaker. But when you look at the lineups that he is consistently going up against in the American League, if you can pitch like this in the American League, you can pitch like this anywhere. His slider is absolutely absurd. He had negative eight run value last year. Guys hit 180 against it. He is a five-pitch pitcher, and he had three of them with a batting average at 180 or lower. 
He was hurt last year, but he is fully healthy and he is going to be the uh, Guardians pitcher on opening day. And I expect him to be another Cy Young favorite. When you look at it, he's finished Cy Young four, Cy Young one, got hurt this year. So I expect him to be top five in the Cy Young for American League again. And he's pretty damn good. He is very damn good. Love me some Shane Bieber. Uh, if only he did not pitch in Cleveland that, you know, it would be nice to be able to see him on, you know, the national stage a little bit more than uh, Cleveland has to offer. Trey, I trust uh, you made the right decision and had Shane Bieber in your top 10. Yeah, I actually, I went big on Shane Bieber and put him in number oh, three. I love it. I love it. Uh, I absolutely so, love it. Yeah. And you know, I'm just going to kind of ignore the injury. Like he actually did come back, make a couple uh, starts at the end of the season. So that's a good sign. Uh, that he, you know, was at least able to get back to major league action at the end of the year. So uh, hopefully he'll be playing on a normal uh, workload or at least close to it. Um, It's pretty much him and Garrett Cole for me are the two best in the American League. Spoiler alert, guys. Garrett Cole is in my top 10, believe it or not. Um, But uh, I'm – I know 2020 was short, but, I mean, damn. He was really good. And uh, I remember a stat I can't. I don't have it right now, but I'm pretty sure he was a, he was a, near the top of the league that season in um, swinging strikes and also in like he got so many swinging strikes out of the zone. That's the thing is he gets a lot of swing misses outside of the strike zone. Um, so I'm I'm a huge believer in Mr. Bieber, and uh, <laughs> I hope that he comes back healthy and uh, is able to you know pitch a full season again. I love that ranking because I, I truly, truly believe like, you know, he could be number three definitively, like without question at the end of the season. He just, like I said, needs that another he's done it before, but he needs another just full healthy season of pure dominance to show everyone like, hey, I'm still here. Like, yeah, I didn't want I didn't want to underrate another Cleveland guy like some people <laughs> like to do with uh, Jose Ramirez. Hey, that so, wasn't me. I'm no, not us. Hey, okay, not us. I'm just. We're good. Saying, there were some, <laughs> there were some names will be dropped when the top 100 comes out, but uh, <laughs> no, Shane Bieber deserves all the praise, all the praise. He he's been great. I mean, a little bit rough in 2018, but quickly on track in 2019 and great ever since. All right, moving on through our list, we're getting to number six. That is Brandon Woodruff of the Milwaukee Brewers. I had him eight. Ryan had him all the way at number five. Um, Brandon Woodruff is electric. Like it, his number, I mean, his numbers were great this past year, but like it, I, I think back to the 2019 season in particular, because of, you know, the wild card game and whatnot, like you see a three, six ERA and you're kind of just like, okay, that's solid, but you don't immediately think ACE, but Brandon Woodruff, Woodruff is an ace, and 2021 proved that his 2021 season was great. Then again, you look at the the wins and losses, and it's like, damn, you know, why can't he just have like 20 wins so that way everyone believes he's an ace, and you know, whatever, because people still judge wins like they're everything and whatnot. But 2021, 5.7 WAR, uh, nine and ten. Win and loss, 2.56 ERA, 30 starts, 179 innings, 211 strikeouts, and a .97 whip. Uh, exceptional. Uh, the Brewers' rotation is filthy. 
arguably the best in baseball. And Brandon Woodruff is, you know, just as good as, as anyone. I mean, that, you know, we'll, we'll talk about another guy here in a little bit uh, in that rotation, but Brandon Woodruff deserves his praise. He's been electric. The, you know, the, the just, sh- it's like, he's a power pitcher in that's, you know, always going to be exciting, always going to be electric. Ryan, what do you like about Brandon Woodruff so much? So Brandon Woodruff is damn good. When you look at his baseball savant, it's the stuff of dreams. Um, he doesn't give up hard hits. He doesn't give up hard contact. He strikes out people a lot. Could be better in the walks. His fastball velocity is great. Gets guys to chase as well. Um, but he also has five plus pitches. I'm only going to count four just because he doesn't throw a slider that much. But when you look at his other pitches, his go-to are his fastball and a sinker. I love run values, negative eight run value on this four-seamer, which is absurd. Um, guys hit 180 against it, slug less than 330 against it. He got a K percent on his fastball 44% of the time. That's kind of ridiculous. He also got guys to whiff 30% of the time on his fastball. His sinker, negative 15 run value. Gets guys out with that. Doesn't strike people out a lot on his on his sinker. That's more of his go-to ground ball pitch, and it is damn good. His curveball and his changeup are well above league average as well. Guys are hitting just 140 with a 206 slugging against his curveball. Changeup, guys are hitting 193 with a 295 slugging. Both of those have a negative six run value. He's hard to hit because he's good. He would be an ace on most teams. Fortunately for him, arguably the best pitcher in baseball is on his staff. Arguably, not a strong argument, but he's damn good. And I think the Brewers finally figured out that consistency with him. 2019, he was kind of the guy I was a little worried to face in the wildcard game. All-star in 2019, all-star again 2021, finished fifth in Cy Young. He's going to be top seven in Cy Young again, and he is so much fun to watch pitching. And I think he's just going to keep getting better. Electric. Uh, Brandon Woodruff is is a just a dude, just an absolute dude. And still in his prime too. Like it's, it's worth mentioning that, you know, he's going to continue to do this. He's not like a one, one year wonder. He's going to be just as good and being, you know, strong Cy Young consideration at seasons. And Trey, where did Brandon Woodruff wind up for you? I had Brandon Woodruff at number 10 and, uh, Oh, yeah, Here maybe it maybe it was because of the way my list is structured. Uh, you'll understand maybe, well, or not, but either way, I still really like Brandon Woodruff's top 10 pitcher, obviously. Um, it's a combination of, you know, soft contact and uh, strikeouts that seemingly every pitcher, starting pitcher on the Brewers has. Uh, that kind of combo is just always going to be a recipe for success. Um I'm, I'm very excited that there's a DH in the national league because now we get to see him and another guy on that, in that rotation, throw some more innings. I mean, he had 180, so that's pretty good, but I, I feel like he could go over 200. The other guy in that rotation could go over 200 if Craig council lets him go. Um, but yeah, so, you know, maybe I underrated him a little bit, but he's still in my top 10. I think that's good enough. Also all of my, I think all of my top 10 pitchers were in my top five. 50 players so okay. it wasn't like that again like just like with the brian reynolds thing not a huge gap <laughs> so <laughs> they're, they're, they're still like right there fair enough fair enough all right moving on to our top five 
in the starting pitching rankings. We get uh what's the word I'm looking for? The torch has officially been passed with this guy. He is officially the ace. If he you know, he was arguably the ace before, but he is officially the ace now, just announced to be their opening day starter. That is Walker Bueller of the Los Angeles Dodgers 2021. I mean, whoo, man, like an elite season. You know, this is the type of season we were looking for, maybe from like the Lucas G elite. And granted, this is a very, very high bar and maybe unfair to expect from anyone. But Walker Bueller did the damn thing. 6.7 war, 16 and 4 record, 247 ERA, 33 starts, 207 innings, 212 strikeouts with a 0.97 whip. I mean, all across the board, his numbers are were just awesome. Um, and obviously, if you're going to be the Dodgers ace, you're going to pile up the wins. And I mentioned before, wins are a team stat, but it is, it does look aesthetically appealing when you have a lot of wins and a little bit of losses. And Walker Bueller did that. He was fourth in Cy Young voting and, of course, was an all star last year. Um, I mean, that pitching staff has pretty much always been loaded with talent. And I, I think it's now safe to say Walker Bueller is the best of the bunch. And it's not because the rest of the pitching staff got worse. It's just because Walker Buehler is that good. I had him at number four. Ryan had him at number six, comes at a number five in our rankings. Ryan, what do you like about Walker Buehler? So tightest uh, pants in baseball. What do you like oh, about Walker Buehler? Tightest pants in baseball, and that boy can pull him off. <laughs> Walker Buehler has really come into his own. He's been kind of the guy that everyone's saying with the Dodgers, like Kershaw go, you know, he could take over. 2018 was when he first came on the scene. Everyone loved him. He you know, didn't get back to what that 260 array we saw, what was technically his rookie year, I guess, um, was an all-star in 2019. Bad year for him in 2020 with a 3-4-4. Came back, bounced back big time. 247 ERA in 2021, 33 starts. Fourth in Cy Young voting, 207 innings. Like I said, it's his team. He's also a damn good pitcher in the playoffs, which – Matters because the Dodgers, they're going to be in the playoffs a lot. Um, he's pitched in 10 postseason innings series, 80 post, sorry, 10 postseason series. He has 80 postseason innings and a 294 ERA. Walker Buehler is someone when you look at the advanced metrics, none of them pop off the state, like none of them really pop off the sheet to you. A lot of his advanced metrics are right around league average. You're trying to figure out how is he this good? And then you look at his fastball. The man's fastball is disgusting. So I've talked about run value a lot. I'm going to talk about again. Run value is when you take the run impact of a single event, in this case, a pitch, based on the runners on base, the outs, the ball and strike count, all factors that go into a pitch, and they take the value of it with league average being zero. His fastball run value is negative 19. That's 19 runs better than league average. That's stupid. Um, he throws it about 45% of the time. Guys only hit 200 against it. They don't slug well against it. Doesn't get a lot of whiff percent on it, but he just gets good. You know, not too hard contact. Guys aren't really going to whiff on it a lot. Like he does have great whiff numbers, but his pitches are elite. He has negative nine on his cutter and negative seven on his slider. Those are his three best pitches. He throws those the most. And the numbers show it as well. Like I said, his whiff and his K percentage isn't really eye-popping, but he's effective, he's accurate, he hits his spots. And he's kind of that guy when you're watching, when you're like, I don't know why he's mowing down this lineup right now. Kind of like Max Scherzer. Like Max Scherzer will throw 95 down the middle three straight times and a very good hitter will whiff three straight times. Doesn't make sense. 
The consistency in his arm slot for all of his pitches in late movement makes the difference. Walker has those, and he's pretty damn good because he's only 27, and he's the ace of the Dodgers. And the last ace came off the worst season of his career with a 3-2 ERA, so it was a pretty big shoes to fill. Yeah, for a guy named Walker, he sure doesn't walk a lot of people. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, it was right there. I had to do it. Trey, where did a Walker Bueller wind up for you? I Bueller at number six on my list. And uh, Ryan busting out the run value stats really leaving me with not much to say because, because <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's every, every, all the numbers back it up. It's pretty Ball much just, yeah, we're pretty much just waiting <laughs> for this guy to get his Cy Young. I feel like it's inevitable yep. that, that this guy's arsenal. Um, through over 200 innings last year. That's amazing. Uh, whip under one, uh, only walked 2.3 batters per nine innings. He misses the barrel a good amount. So that's one of the things like where it's like, oh, he's not necessarily mowing him down, but he's still overpowering these guys because they can't square him up. Uh, and that's obviously, that's a, that's a really good thing as a pitcher mm-hmm. to not get barreled. Um, finished fourth in Cy Young last year. Probably could have finished higher than that in a different year, but there was some pretty insane pitching performances in the national league last year. Uh, so yeah, it's just, uh, he's one of the elites and he's probably going to win a Cy Young soon. Yeah. I think it's safe to say, although it seems like every year we get guys coming out of nowhere to win a Cy Young. I mean, you look at Robbie Ray, uh, there was no yeah. indication oh, yeah. By that, the way, that was going to happen. What? Yeah. Uh, Titus pants and baseball is Robbie Ray. Oh, well, yeah, I was going to – I meant to bring <laughs> that sure up. Like, Robbie Ray is definitely giving him some competition now because Walker Buehler's are tight. Robbie Ray's are tight and too short. So it's like he's trying to one-up Walker Buehler, and neither of them seem to be budging on it. Uh, I, I don't know how it Do you remember – I don't remember what year it was, but do you remember when the reporter asked Walker Buehler about his tight pants and he got so angry? Do you no, but that's really that? funny. Yeah, he got like <laughs> so angry about it. And I'm like, I mean, a lot of people wear tight pants in baseball. Not like Bryce Harper was the guy to wear like really tight pants, you know, before Walker Bueller and and now Robbie Ray. But like, <laughs> I don't understand. I don't know. Whatever. Walker Bueller, number five on our list. Moving on to number four, an old friend. And at least for me, the hardest guy to project going into the 2022 season. And just got paid. I mean, again, but just got paid. That is Max Scherzer, Max Scherzer for the New York Mets, which will always sound weird. But if you look at his 2021 season, it was a phenomenal campaign. And Nats fans will remember at least part of it. Uh, 15 and four record across uh, his time with the Nationals and Dodgers. Two, four, six ERA, 30 starts, 179 innings, 236 on the strikeouts and at a 0.86 whip i mean he's always had great whip numbers but it's crazy that his age 36 season he's still doing so you know he he led the league in whip like that's insane um i mean you can pull up any stat you want for max scherzer and it's gonna help your argument the only thing from here me here is his age it's it seems like He's bound to hit a wall sooner rather than later. His velocity is down in spring training. Maybe he's just taking some off of it and maybe he's working his way back up. But I don't know. Father time is undefeated and Max Scherzer has, you know, some a, a lot of 
wear and tear on his arm. He's pitched uh, more than 170 innings, you know, like, what was it, 10 years in a row? And then obviously 2020, it was less, but he still pitched 67 innings in a, you know, kind of wacky 2020 season with no real spring training and then another 179 last year. So there's a lot of wear and tear and he hasn't been injured much, which, you know, is good. I'm not wishing for him to be injured, but it's like, at what point does he hit that wall? Is it this year? I oh, sort of hope not, but sort of hope. I don't know. Max Scherzer, though, very, very good. Hall of Famer, undeniably. Ryan, what are your thoughts on Max Scherzer heading into the year? You had him number three. I had him number five. So you're still pretty bullish on him. Yeah, Max is Max, you know? Yeah. When you when you look at it, like, I, there's not much I really have to say just because we watched him for seven years. We know the type of guy Max is. We know the pitcher is. Last year, he was second all of baseball and ERA. All of his numbers across the board were elite. When you look at his advanced metrics, there's nothing that shows you that there's any really concern for advanced metrics either. His weak contact percentage is, fun, is consistent, still above league average. His solid contact is where it always is. His barrel percentage is where it always is. His run value on his four seam and slider is you know, negative 18 on the four seam, negative 12 on the slider. Those are his top two pitches. His whiff percent still the four. He had a forty-eight percent whiff on his slider last year, which is really stupid. Thirty percent on his fastball. Again, not really much to concern about you there. A lot of people are like, "Oh, Max is dead. His arm's dead." Blah blah blah. Not buying into that either. He pitched, I think, like four times in ten days. You're gonna be pretty tired after that. Also, he's been good in spring training. His velocity is where it should be in spring training as well. Not really concerned about that. You know, when you're talking about the way pitchers project, there's ace, there's front end of rotation, there's back end of rotation and depth. There's also another one called dog and Max is a dog. People like to talk about father time. Max is in a separate category. That's very rare just because the competitive advantage that they have. Max is a competitive freak. Tom Brady's up there. Um, you know, Tom Brady's 45, hasn't really shown any signs of decline. Max's decline is different than other people decline and just how competitive he is and how much he trains, what he does and everything is going to help fight that off. And Max is going to have another max season this year. Not really concerned about what anyone's really saying about him because there's nothing that really shows there is sign for concern. And Max is just that guy. So what I'm basically hearing is he's going into the hall of fame as a Met is basically the gist you shut that. your mouth yes <laughs> and tom bray's going in as a buck both of them are doing that late the late career switch and going in with that team. oh man a matt even better than that imagine max goes in the hall of fame with a like just a general what is it a generic mlb cap like mike musina did like a no decision cap that would be yeah, should go in as a so funny back. He's going to go every time. No, I mean, as a Dodger, like he's he had seven stars <laughs> for the Dodgers. Oh, man. He's real Trey. good, though. <laughs> Trey, where did Max Scherzer wind up for you? Uh, I had Max at number seven. And it's, you know, there's really nothing about his, his stuff or his velo that's concerning about decline. But he, you know, the one tangible stat that I have is that he's uh, only th- thrown, uh, He's thrown less than 180 innings his last two seasons. Two, oh, two full seasons. He? Well, <laughs> you know, he? <laughs> hey, he was a 200 plus innings eater guy. And I don't know if he's going to be able to do that anymore. And it's just because 
I mean, throw that many innings at that age and eventually you're not going to be able to do it. So I'm just a little concerned about that. Um, but well, the Dodgers, yeah. sorry, that's, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's cool. He went to the Dodgers and the Dodgers do not like guys go through the lineup a lot recently. Like, look at Kershaw. He isn't throwing over 200 innings in seven years and it's clean Kershaw. Like, that's kind of their thing. But I, yeah, I mean, in 19, he had 172 and he had some like, minor bumps and bruises he had some i feel like he missed a like couple his starts first, last year it was his first il stint in like yeah. 10 years or something that's like that yeah really the only thing i mean pretty much my top seven all the they're all every dude in my top seven is basically the ace like like one of the i mean they have obviously the mets have two um but uh yeah i mean scherzer could absolutely uh blow this my, my ranking out of the water if he is still able to throw over 200 innings. Maybe he will because they got Buck Walter as a manager now. So he'll just let him go. But uh, yeah, no, that was the, really the only thing that I put, wanted to put him down a little bit was just the fact that he hasn't gotten 200 innings since 2018. But um, if, if the arm is, is not got, not have, uh, sorry, excuse me. If the arm doesn't have that much wear and tear uh, and he gets 200 innings and I don't see any reason why he couldn't be in Scion contention again. Yeah, which is insane to think about. Although, should the other guy on his team stay healthy, they might siphon votes from each other. So that might be the only thing in his way is his teammate. But we'll we'll see. Max Scherzer, obviously, more than capable of reaching that threshold uh, himself, no matter who else is pitching with him or against him. All right, moving on to the top three in our rankings. Number three, we have another New York pitcher, but from the other New York team. That is Garrett Cole of the New York Yankees, 2021, a 5.7 or 16 and 8 record, 323 ERA, 30 starts, 181 innings, 243 strikeouts, pitching to the tune of a 1.06 whip. Uh, Garrett Cole, I mean, it's kind of fascinating to me, at least looking back on Garrett Cole's career, because he was really good in Pittsburgh. And, you know, Pittsburgh certainly not the team they were in like the mid 2010s and the electricity. I, I was just rewatching that uh, clip. Who is it? Uh, is it Russell Martin at the plate uh, against Johnny Cueto when entire, That's the correct, entire I believe. PNC park is chanting Cueto and they get him to drop the ball on the mound. And then the very next pitch, Russell Martin takes him to electric iconic. Uh, I mean, that is just uh, now you look at the pirates and it's just, man, it's, it's rough. But anyways, Garrett Cole, like he, he's been really, really good for a while. He had his 2017 season. I feel like he had a 4-2-6 ERA that year. He still made 33 starts. And I feel like, at least at the time, people pointed to that and saying, oh, he's not as good. He, he didn't live up to the billing in some way, even though he was very, very good, you know, 2013 and 27, well, 2013, 2016 and 2017 was his worst year, at least ERA wise, but still very effective, still pitched over 200 innings. And then of course he goes to Houston. Everyone knows what was going on with Houston and you know, that's a separate conversation, but obviously very, very good in Houston. Um, if Justin Verlander wasn't his teammate, he was probably a Cy Young award winner, if not a two-time Cy Young award winner. Um, so like he goes to New York and there's been a long list of players that go to New York and the Yankees in particular and underperform. And he's not like 
at quite as dominant as he was in Houston, but he's still very, very good. And I, I feel like because he's Garrett Cole, because he was on the Astros and now he's on the Yankees, people just like to hate on him. And I, I get it, but he's still very, very good. It's hard to argue against anything he, he he's doing. Um, another punchable face, but hey, that, that's, you know, it is what it is. I had him up at number two. Ryan had him at number four. Ryan, what are your thoughts on Garrett Cole? Yeah, Garrett Cole is really interesting because you can kind of make the argument that he is a sticky stuff merchant. Um, when you look at the breakdown of his season last year, he had a 143 ERA through, through April. May, he was strong again with a 2.18. All of a sudden in June, for the month of June, his ERA was 4.65. July, in a 4.71 ERA. What did MLB crack up? cracked down on around that time he figured it out in august with a whopping 0.51 era he gets back in the cy young conversation he blows it late in the season with a disastrous september october with an era well over five and it was a tale of two halves for him really you know first half he had a 268 era cy young favorite not very good in the second half loses to Cy Young. He was bad down late in the stretch. He was bad in the AL wildcard game. It was kind of those starts when they needed him the most. He wasn't there. So the narrative around Cole is really interesting right now. Garrett Cole is a very good pitcher. I do think he is hurting from the crackdown on sticky stuff. His spin rate is down a lot. He's getting teed up on a lot more than he normally does. Um, His barrel percentage was in the bottom 16th. Sorry, it was in the 16th percentile. That's not very good. Um, his hard hit percentage was in the 50th percentile. His ag- average exit velocity was in 53rd percent. He's still striking out guys in the top 5% of the league, but there's kind of some cause for concern about is he still that elite pitcher or was that really reliant on the sticky stuff? He's obviously still a top five pitcher. I have no problem putting him where I did. I just don't think you can have him in that top three conversation right now. I need to see another season from him without the sticky stuff and see how he does in the clutch under pressure because he was money in Houston. Unfortunately for him, he's tied to some pretty, you know, not some good stuff in Houston during that time. Need to see him do it this year without the sticky stuff and in the big lights to help change the narrative around him because he's good. It's just he's not the lights out guy that the Yankee fans thought they were getting that he was when he was in Houston and would have been MVP if he wasn't playing in Houston doing what he did in 2019. Yeah. And that's fair. I, well, I've always been in the camp that pitchers should be allowed to use sticky stuff. And you want, if you want to like crack down something, you can crack down on like spider tack, but allow them to use something. That's just me. Well, and that's spy, uh, spider tax. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, cause he definitely was using spider tack because everyone remembers the clip of the time where MLB announced they were, cracking down on sticky stuff and he was caught on camera like just no answer no pr preparation like he he was caught so yeah there is an argument you know with cole specifically about a sticky stuff merchant but i think a lot of guys are using sticky stuff they probably just weren't using it to the level cole was so i do understand your argument i just you know i I still think he's very good and uh you know he it was up and down certainly in 2021 but you you heard other pitch like tyler glass now i bring that up all the time and people are probably tired of me, me talking about it, but he says he thinks he tours UCL because MLB's cracked down the sticky stuff. Like, you know, it was just a common practice. And then all of a sudden MLB decided to, you know, 
crack down on it, which is their right. It's just annoying. And I, I think that might skew the, the narrative on Garrett Cole, but he certainly doesn't do himself any favors by not Ryan, like you said, you know, performing in clutch situations, at least in New York. Uh, and he could help himself out should, you know, he'd be able to perform in situations like that and bright lights, big city and all that stuff. Trey, where did Garrett Cole wind up for you? Uh, Garrett Cole was uh, my number four choice. And I got to start going first sometimes so I can get my lines out. Cause as soon as Ryan <laughs> said sticky, sticky stuff merchant, I was just like, are you serious? I was going to say the same thing. Uh, but yeah, no, I, don't, I think it was pretty obvious. He was using spider tack. Uh, but yeah, he's not going to, I don't think he's going to get back to that 2019 form because he struck out 326 batters. That's yeah, that's absurd. Silly. <laughs> that's just like um, really, really good. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think he's maybe using something, but uh, either way, I think he'll be fine. Even without uh spider tack, uh, he still has an electric arm. He can overpower you with his fastballs, breaking stuff still nasty. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think he's going to get back to that 2019. Uh, but even even if he pitches just like he did this season, that's still a top five, top ten guy. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't have any problem, even though he did probably use spider tack. Uh, it's, you know, it's not fine, but like I think he'll be OK even without Agreed. it. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Also, I mean, he's playing in a much tougher division now than he was in Houston. And obviously, you know, there's spider attack argument plays for sure. You look at the numbers, like you can tell just, you know, exactly what years he was, you know, probably using something, but it's a little bit easier when you could beat up on, you know, some lesser teams like the Mariners were terrible and A's well, the A's were good, but Rangers. Like angels Rangers, like, you know, it's a little bit easier to, to beat up on those teams. And now you have four teams with legitimate arguments to make the playoffs in the AL East alone. Um, so a little bit tougher competition, obviously, uh, for Garrett Cole, but I agree with both of you, like still a very solid pitcher. And I think another year in New York under his belt without at least as much sticky stuff, I'm sure everyone's still trying to find ways to use sticky stuff, but without as much sticky stuff, uh, we'll paint a clear picture on Garrett Cole and just who he is as a pitcher. All right, moving on to top two in our rankings. Number two, we have the other Milwaukee Brewers ace. I think it's fair to call them both aces. And this is your NL Cy Young winner from this past season, Corbin Burns. Uh, Corbin Burns, I mean, also, well, first and foremost, electric pitcher name, like just a, a great name for a pitcher, like Such a sick name. Burns. Like, I mean, Corbin, a little bit tainted for Nats fans now, but Burns, like elite name. Uh, last year, I, I Again, this is one of those weird situations where it's like the numbers, some of the numbers don't do justice. Like you see 11 wins and I, I, I'm not saying I put a lot of stock into wins, but like with the season Corbin Burns have you had, you want him to have like 20 wins and just really, you know, eye popping numbers across the board, but that's, I'm not trying to diminish what he did last year because he was a hundred percent deserving of that Cy Young had an amazing season 5.7 or 11 and five record two, four, three ERA 28 starts, 167 innings, 231 strikeouts and a 0.94 whip. I mean, he Trey, I believe you said it earlier. He beat out some very tough competition for that NL Cy Young award uh, last year. And he was, you know, just as deserving, if not more than everyone else, like he was awesome. Um, and I don't want to say it came out of nowhere, like, cause he was, 
solid in 2020 as well. And, you know, meant to 2020 enough at this point, but like 2019, he, you know, pitched in 32 games. He only had four starts, but at eight, eight, two ERA. So it's like, if you look at the 2019 season, you didn't expect anything like 2021 around the, the corner. Um, but he has been awesome uh, ever since the, you know, wacky 2020, 2020 season. And I'm excited to see, you know, how he follows up uh, his 2021 campaign, because I'm hoping it's just as electric, if not more than 20, uh, 2021, because hey, he's he's electric. Like, I know I'm using that word a lot, but he, he is so freaking good. Led the league in FIP as well. 1.63 FIP. Like, that's that's absurd. Like, he, he is so damn good. I, I can't say enough about him. I had him at number three. Ryan had him up at number two. Ryan, why do you have Corbin Burns a little bit higher than some of the other contenders? Yeah, so there's Corbin Burns and Jacob DeGrom, and then there's everybody else. These two are right right now the best pitchers on the planet. It's kind of hard to argue against it, honestly. Um, when you look at Corbin Burns' numbers, 2019, he had an 8-8 ERA. That's the only time in his career he's had an ERA over 2-6. You know, he is damn good. And when you look at his advanced metrics, he's – you know, 100 percentile fastball spin. He had 97 percentile with whiff, 97 with barrel percentage, 96 in average velocity, 94 in hard hit, 97 in K percent, 92 in walk percent. Like he's not walking, guys. He's not giving up hard contact. And you know, he, sorry, I lost my train of thought. I was I was looking at his pitch usage, and he stopped using his fastball in 2020 and started using his cutter heavy more. And that kind of so far looks like the difference in it. Um, his cutter run value is negative 21%. That's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Um, <laughs> he had a he had a 32k percent on it. He had a 50.5k percent on his curveball, and he had a 43k percent on his slider. He also got guys to whiff 45% a time or more on three different pitches. Whatever way you look at it, the guy's absolutely electric. He is a absurd cutter. He has great movement and he's figured it out for a reason. He figured out, you know what? I'm going to stop throwing my fastball so much because he only threw his fastball 2.5% of the time in 2020 and less than two in 2021. And over that span, he has a 2.34. Sorry, baseball reference took a little while to load. He has a 2.34 ERA since he stopped using his fastball so much. He's figured it out. He's good. And he's probably going to, you know, continue doing this next year just because the guy's stuff is just naturally ridiculous. Adding the fact that he doesn't really walk people either. He had 34 walks in 167 innings. He's accurate as hell. And he's pretty damn good. And I'm excited to watch him again this year. And, and, and phenomenal pitching name, like Corbin Burns, just phenomenal pitching name. Trey, where did Corbin Burns wind up for you? Uh, I also had Corbin Burns at number two, and uh, well, that uh, his backdoor cutter might be the one of the nastiest pitches in baseball oh, right it's now. Disgusting. And uh, I think I believe it was during the Cy Young presentation where I heard him say that he discovered it by accident. So that's really funny. Um, <laughs> just discover one of the nastiest pitches ever. Hey, that was good. Do that again. Yeah, yeah. Just try that <laughs> Do it again. You know, instead of the pitch you've been using your entire career. Yeah, and it totally works. So, uh, yeah, uh, that 
6-3 FIP number is absolutely stupid. I was laughing at that run value number because that's stupid. Uh, I like this stat, 0.4 home runs per nine innings as a starter who strikes out 12.6 batters per nine innings. um, Might be good. And Craig Council, my plea to you. Let your dudes throw some Let him cooks. Let, Let him them cook. throw some innings. I don't care about no third time around the order when I see Corbin Burns' stuff. Like, come on. Let the dude throw some innings. Let's go. He's a 200-innings guy easily if, they, if he lets them pitch. Let's go. Yeah, just let them all go seven minimum. And then you have Devin Williams and Josh Hader for the eighth and ninth. <laughs> Good. Unbeatable. Like, that's, like what, do you, what else do you need? Oh, man. Uh, Corbin Burns, well-deserving of the number two spot. And number one, insert last week's Mike Trout argument to this Patrick guy. Corbin. <laughs> uh, insert that argument to this guy, because until someone else proves for, I don't know how long they would have to prove it, probably like three seasons minimum, if not more, that they are better than this guy. And I will dethrone this guy's number one. But until that point or until he retires, this guy's number one. And that is obviously Jacob DeGrom. Uh, Nats fans have seen him plenty. We we know it's good with Jacob DeGrom. Like he has some ungodly numbers. Like he is absurd with just how good he is. Uh, you know, I won't bore you with the details, but it is, it is insane how good he has been. And he, he was viewed as like the number three in that, you know, 2015 Mets, you know, uh, pennant team you know, behind Matt Harvey and no Syndergaard. Like it's crazy that he was viewed as the number three and he turned out to arguably the best, be the best pitcher of the generation. Um, Trey, I will let you go first since you were clamoring for it. Uh, Jacob DeGrom, I trust he was your number one. Uh, yeah, maybe, man. He might've been my number <laughs> one. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I mean, what do you even say about this guy? It's actually, he's just like exactly. not real. He's like not even a real person. He's an alien. He just came here just to dominate the sport. He was genetically altered to, to dominate this sport. It's it's really crazy. I've, I've watched both of his spring training out, outings, and in both of them, he struck out the side in the first inning. And it's like, did, was this guy even hurt? Like, what? Like, it's like he just walked right back out and just started doing his thing again. Like, after oh, but before break, that, uh, before that, he was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to opt out of my contract at the end of this season. And then oh, yeah. And, and does with that. Like, as dude he should, is he's going to get he's going to get paid somewhere. But uh, pro- I would think the Mets resign him with with Steve. I hope he leaves. I mean, I well, me too. Absolutely. But I don't I don't see it. But uh, not even yeah, for the so. Nats, like not even for the Nats and that's stink. It doesn't really matter who's pitching against us. But like, I, I just <laughs> I, I just need to see the meltdown, like the yeah. best pitcher in baseball leaves the Mets. The ground was a five war player in 92 innings. So I think yeah, I'm done. He, he would have. Yeah, <laughs> he would have need. like a 12 war season. I mean, if you extrapolate that over a full season, which yeah, might I, not be fair to do. But if anyone could do it, Jacob DeGrom could do it. I'll tell you what, before he got hurt last year, there was no reason to believe he could not do it. <laughs> it was insane. Uh, yeah, uh, he was yeah, absurd. That, I mean, we could go over numbers all we want, but just watch the dude pitch and you'll understand. It's, you, if you want to talk about the eye test, the eye test shows its domination. Yeah, <laughs> the good old eye test. <laughs> uh, all right, Ryan, what are your thoughts on the best pitcher in baseball? Yeah, Jacob DeGrom is not only the best pitcher in baseball, he's arguably a top five player in baseball. The stretch that he's on right now, his peak, which 
going back to 2018, he has a one <laughs> going back to 2018. He has a 1.94 ERA. <laughs> um, that is absolutely ridiculous. Jacob deGrom's peak right now is one of the best we have seen in MLB history. And that's not overstating it either. When you look at his, when you look at his baseball assignment, you know, the 99th percentile is good. Jake LeGrand has the 100th percentile in six stats. And there are 14 on the baseball Savant home screen. He has 100 percentile in six of them. He also has 99. Less than 50% washed. Three of them. <laughs> so um, the, the season he was having last year before he got hurt was one of the best seasons we have seen in baseball history. He had a 1.08 ERA when he got hurt. Um, it took him 15 starts to get over a one ERA. That is the longest stretch in MLB history since ERA became a stat to get above a one ERA. When you also keep looking at it, he had a 0.54 whip. That's the lowest by any pitcher in the 15 start span since 1901. He had 146 strikeouts and allowed only 39 hits. He's the only pitcher since 1901 to have 140 or more strikeouts and 40 or less hits allowed in the 15-start span. He only allowed 11 earned runs. It's won the least amount in 15-run span. And he also held opposing hitters to a 126 batting average. That's the lowest for any pitcher in a 15-start span since 1901. It's not an over-exaggeration for saying that his peak is one of the best we've seen. The issue with him, and this is going to sound very stupid, but there is a lot of data that backs this up. He throws too hard. Skinny pitchers who consistently hit 100 or throw over it get hurt, and they get hurt severely. There's a lot of data that backs it up, and they have a hard time recovering from it. Chris Sale is probably the best example of that recently. Steven Strasburg was consistently hitting 100, although his mechanics put a lot of stress on his elbow. That's different, but he needs to take just a little bit off of it. Because his stuff is absolutely filthy, just takes a little bit off of it because him consistently throwing that hard isn't natural. And it's a lot of stress on his elbow. He throws a 95 mile per hour slider. That's not normal. He threw he his slider touched 97 against the Nats last year. That's not normal. It's absolutely ridiculous. The guy is from a different planet. And I just hope he can stay healthy because what he's doing right now is just absolutely ludicrous and him and that healthy max is a absurd one-two punch and those two right there if those two can make combined 66 starts they're winning 90 plus games like he is so damn good and i just hope he can stay healthy for us this year yeah i can't wait to face him first two games of the season like that'll be a great i am gonna be for... a combined <laughs> great omen hits. for the Nets. awesome <laughs> Oh God! Uh, oh, actually, real quick, you know, it's interesting you brought up his uh, throwing too hard. I wonder if uh, I watched every Degrom start last year because I don't know about you guys, but I watch every Weird every flex, time he okay. pitches. I watch him every time he pitches because he's <laughs> that good. But uh, I noticed that, especially in like the first time around the order, he would just throw fastballs. Like he would barely yeah, use toying with pitch. them, he's and like, he, yeah, he would come, yeah. He would, but he would come out throwing 9,900 right off the bat and only throwing fastballs. I wonder if that had anything to do with his injury because he brought up, you know, he's throwing too hard because he doesn't need to throw 100. He could throw like 97 and like his slider could be like 90 and he'd still be unhittable. So that's interesting though. Yeah, it's funny how Ryan said like it sounds silly, but there is 
you know, legitimate, you know, uh, I guess strategy behind it. If you know that's the right word, it just sounds so weird to say like, "Hey, Degrom, you're what you're doing is you're stupid. too good. <laughs> yeah, you're too good. Scale it back." Like it just sounds so silly, but uh, for the benefit of the longevity of his career, like it might help. He's going into his age thirty four season, so and not that he can't be effective, you know, for the next five years or so but it is that time where you're like okay that that's a legitimate conversation of what i'm trying to say uh, i think it is that time where you're like uh it'd be nice to have you around you know for five to you know 10 more years rather than you know just one or two so uh i, I hope Degrom, you know finds a happy medium where he could be very elite uh but also have that longevity as well uh it's kind of crazy that he only has like a 43 war right now not that that's like bad but i just expected it to be already like 70 just because he's been that good for that long uh but very clearly the number one on our list and should be the number one on everyone's list uh if he's not then you have a problem um all right honorable mentions really quickly um there there are plenty uh i had lance lynn at my number 10 I think Lance Lynn has been very solid. If you take out that, I believe it was the 2018 season where he split time between Minnesota and New York, like that was his worst year of his career. But other than that, he was very solid in St. Louis. He's been very solid in, um, in Chicago and was very solid in Texas. Like th- that sample size, I-, I had to put him in my top 10. He's not like the flashiest pitcher. He doesn't you know, have a ton of swing and miss stuff, but I wanted to put him in my top 10. Uh, Julio Arias, I think, is someone, you know, on the outside looking in right now, but someone we could be talking about more seriously at the end of the season, you know, looking ahead to 2023 season. And then Sandy Alcantara, like, I mean, if not a top 10 pitcher in baseball yet, certainly a top 10 pitcher in MLB The Show. Uh, so can were the, you, those were can the you guess? Can you guess who, who is in my in the honorable mentions that's in my list? I mean, were you going to say Ranger Suarez? <laughs> oh, I will talk about him. But uh, so I actually had two players in my list um, that were not in the composite list. I had Al, Al Contra at nine, and I had Robbie Ray at eight. And uh, I, I, don't I like can the understand Robbie Ray one. I can understand why you might not like that one because uh, it was only one season. Uh, however, he he made some mechanical adjustments before last season that I think are going to make this more sustainable. I don't know if he's going to be a Cy Young winner again, but I wanted to give him credit for that. Um, and yeah, I'm obviously huge on Alcantara. I think he's going to be really good. And I think I'm going to probably bet on him to win the Cy Young. So, I mean, it's probably, I originally have him in my top 10, but I was just like, I, I don't know if I can have him. Top yeah, I don't think he's there yet. yet. He'll, he'll get there, but I don't think he's there yet. Yeah. I, I, I get that. So, but I, I'm just super high on this guy. I think he's going to be, I mean, he, I think he was already elite. I think he's going to get to an even even higher level this year. Um, also, Aaron Nola, I had on my honorable mentions um, because I don't know uh, who he is as a pitcher. That's my well, problem because his discrepancy between his ERA and his FIP is like right. He had like a three three FIP or something and like a four six ERA. So that's just crazy. Unfortunately, he did not get much help from <laughs> the signings for his defense behind him. So I don't really know what to do with him. I think he's got good stuff, but just have to wait and see, I guess. 
Aaron Nola right now is suffering from the very, very tragic issue where his fastball late life goes directly over the middle of the plate, whichever side he throws it. I'm not joking. Watch his fastball. If he's throwing it inside, it drifts back to the right. If he tries to hit the right side, it drifts to the left. Not joking. Almost every single time he throws his fastball, it just finds a way to come back over the plate. And it sucks for him because he's actually really good. Mixing the fact that his defense is going to be absolutely atrocious about him. Maybe he'll opt out and that's good sign him for a good deal. I don't know. Maybe please, Rizzo, please. <laughs> Does I mean, he have an opt a out? Ton of, yeah, there, I mean, there's not a ton of defense in DC either. I mean, I can't. You're you're starting to like it. And Michael Franco's at third base. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I no, we didn't need to mention that. I can't remember if it's an opt out or an option. It's one of them, but he has a chance to be a free agent. I'm pretty sure it's sweet. an option. If I'm not mistaken, because didn't he sign uh, an extension to buy out arbitration? I believe I'm trying to look it up and fill time. Yeah, it's a 2023 team option. But then he's he's on he's unrestricted free agent after that, right? Yeah, after 2023. Yeah, uh, I would assume right. they're going to pick up that team option. So it, two years, uh, yeah. he, he has the opportunity to be a, uh, a free agent. So oh yeah, Ranger right. Suarez. I want to talk okay. about Ranger Suarez. Yeah, Sorry. go ahead, go ahead, because okay. uh, we'll, um, we'll talk about relievers here briefly. Yeah, I really like. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure he's going to be a starter in their rotation. Just yeah. At the beginning of this year, but I, I honestly say. loved his role last year. Kind of just like the hired gun. Like, oh, you're going to get a start here, throw about four innings. Uh, two days later, you're going to come in in the eighth and throw an inning. Uh, and then you're going to throw another inning out of the bullpen. Long relief. He, he kind of did it all. And, you know, I feel like that role is very valuable if a dude can do that, because that's just I mean, pitchers especially are all about routine. So when you're just getting thrown off your team, you're still able to I mean, he had like a 300 ERA plus last year it was ridiculous. Um, so he's going to be really good for them. Um, I'm just wondering how, it, you know, if he is a full time starter, how it's going to impact his his numbers, because. He was just a really interesting case study for me when I was looking over these. Uh, but um, he's also like 24. So that's scary. Yeah. That's I, all I had. <laughs> no, I was going to say like with him, there there are those guys around baseball that have that. You, you mentioned like a hired gun role where it's like spot start, long relief, but also can just come in and dominate for an inning like, just a, a jack of all trades type pitcher. And he was very good in that role. I think had the Phillies prioritized pitching, they'd be in a different spot. But now it's like th they need him to be a starter out of necessity. Like Zach Wheeler should be good, but his you know status is certainly up in the air. Aaron Nola, you know, it's the the results versus the, the stuff uh, a little bit with him. So they kind of need that stabilizer. And I think that's what they're going to be counting on. Uh, I don't think he's going to have as good of a season in 2022, but he certainly was fun to to see, and you know, the the usage and deployment for Ranger Suarez was fun to watch in 2021. All right, let's talk about relievers really quick. We're just going to you know breeze through these. Relievers are very volatile, so this list might be completely different next year, and that's why we're not spending too much time on it. But it is worth talking about because there are certainly some dominant relievers that have been doing it for some time and deserve their praise. All right. So just going through six through 10 really quick, starting at number 10 and working our way down. Number 10, Giovanni Gallegos. Uh, I really liked him 
you know, I've liked him for a while. It seems like he's now going to be the, he had 14 saves last year, but it seems like he is the guy in St. Louis, obviously a very good team. He's been very solid throughout his career. Uh, I think, you know, even though he hasn't had that one eye popping insane year for a reliever, I think he's just very solid, very steady. And that should be commended uh, for relievers and not, you know, penalized or in any way. Uh, number nine, Colin McHugh, we mentioned, you know, the jack of all trades, uh, you know, he, he's, you know, has been a starter, has been a reliever and kind of just does it all very, very good. And one of those guys is a little bit tough to rank because is he a starter is he a reliever, but certainly deserving on, on one list or some recognition for Colin McHugh. Uh, number eight, Blake Trinan, a lot of former Nats talking about today. Uh, you know, Blake Trinan, one of those guys that if only the Nats could have really tapped into that potential prior to the trade, who knows where they might be. But Blake Trinan has been one of the best relievers in baseball for quite some time now. Uh, number seven, Craig Kimbrell. Kind of a wacky season last year, but uh, I think just the, the first half of his season, seeing that he can still do it, he does still have it worth mentioning and he might not be the best reliever slash closer anymore but he's still very good uh number six raziel iglesias uh closers you know i love me some closers um and i think raziel iglesias is probably the most underrated closer but certainly deserving of being on this list ryan six through ten was there anyone you wanted to highlight in particular no i mean it's just it's just so hard to talk about relievers like basically if you're not the top two or three who knows what you're going to do every single year um Giovanni Gallegos big fan of him 80 innings last year three year a but all of his other numbers were pretty solid Craig Kimbrell mm-hmm. is always the most interesting case did not really like going to the eighth inning last year but <laughs> you couldn't really make the argument that Liam Hendricks should come out of the closer role I think if he goes back to being a closer he'll be back in the top five top four conversation but yeah, I mean, relievers, it's just hard to be consistent. It's a very interesting thing. Speaking of Craig Kimbrell, he had a 15.08K per nine last year. That's absurd. And the 0.91 home runs per nine. The guy's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's, they're so tough to talk about. Certainly. Um, Trey, of those guys, is there anyone you had on your list, maybe higher or lower, that you wanted to talk about? Um. I had Tyler Rogers in my 10 spot. Uh, I wanted to give him credit for the amount of innings that he pitched last year. He pitched about 80 innings uh, and he had like a 2.2 ERA or something. And I also had uh, Jonathan Luizaga at number seven. Um, I think he's an up and coming. Did you, did you say him? He's not on no, there, is he? we did not. Okay. He, he was an honorable mention sure. for me. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I put him in there because I, I liked what he did last year. I think he's got potential to uh, get even better. He's a young guy. Um, but I think everything else was uh, – everybody else was the same. My top yeah, two t- are the same if we – I don't even know if we went over that. Uh, Sorry. Well, no, not yet, but we will. No worries. Okay, yeah. Um, sure we had Tyler Rogers is, is interesting, though, because, I mean, he was great last year. Um, and he's – I'm not going crazy. He's the the sidearm or submariner, right? Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure his brother is Taylor Rogers, so that's really not confusing at all. And then there's parents. Trevor Rogers too, so like yeah, very confusing. I think he's unrelated, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, but just like a bunch of T's. Yeah. Um, 
but Tyler Rogers is a good inclusion as well. All right, moving on to number five again, just breezing through us. Emmanuel Clace, uh, another Guardians guy that probably does not get the recognition he deserves. Uh, he's going to be, oh, again, he had 24 saves last year, but definitely going to be the guy in that Guardians bullpen. Last year was phenomenal 129 ERA, 71 uh, games, 24 saves, uh, just under 70 innings, 74 strikeouts, 0.6. Or 0.96 whip. Uh, the dude stuff is just. I don't know what's going on in Cleveland. I don't know how they keep doing this and pumping out pitching. Uh, it feels like, hey, if you're the Nats and notoriously struggle to develop pitching, you might want to hire people from that organization. But I don't know. Uh, Emmanuel Clay's, though, like it, it, <laughs> his stuff is just so good. And he was only 23 last year. Like it, it's just. It's insane. Like he, he was so good. I believe he came over in the Corey Kluber deal, if I'm not mistaken. Might be wrong on that. Uh, but very, very good guy to watch. Uh, either of you guys have him in your top 10. Want to talk about Manuel Clace? Adam at number four. Uh, yeah, I think that's. Stuff, stuff stuff rating is uh very high yeah it's, if you're his, just going uh, off 100 stuff. mile per hour cutter or whatever he's got <laughs> right nuts. right yeah certainly all right moving on to number four uh one of my favorite pitchers in baseball whether you're uh, a starter or reliever and that's specifically because of this guy's one pitch i mean if your pitch has a nickname then you're you're doing something right and that is devin williams the airbender changeup is disgusting disgusting and uh, obviously josh Hader is on his team we'll talk about josh Hader here in a little bit uh juan soto's son but devin williams is so so good and i i don't know he had three saves last year and that's obviously not a ton i feel like he could be the best closer in baseball uh i i mean that's probably not a stretch his whip's a little bit higher for uh, a reliever but again that, that changeup is just so so, so, so nice. Uh, either of you guys want to talk about Devin Williams? Trey, where'd you have him? Uh, I had him at number five on my list. And I mean, oh, right pretty there. much what you said. Uh, another guy with the high stuff rating, that bang changeup. He throws a screwball and MLB the show. Just thought I'd throw that out there. I like to use it. It's does he really... throw Does he throw one in real life? I mean, I, I would don't, assume so. I don't know, <laughs> but it's in the show. Uh, and it's fun to use. It moves all around. That was my brief tangent. Sorry. uh i mean hey if he has a screwball in real life like (laughs) that that only helps the argument because i i don't even know what a screwball is supposed to do really like what movement it's supposed to have for i I mean it's kind of does what his changeup does so i guess they just yeah i mean yeah just kind of like a a dip but his changeup is is insane like his changeup's really really good i think they might have his pitch mix wrong but you know. Anyways, still fun to use in MLB the show, I imagine. All right, moving on to our top three in uh, our reliever rankings. Number three is, I, just going over my head, yeah, I believe he's the Astros closer. Uh, Ryan Presley comes in at number three on our list. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what you can really say about these you know, relievers that are very good, but not top two because the top two are pretty you know set in stone but ryan presley was really solid 26 saves last year 225 era 0.97 whip 81 strikeouts and 64 innings 
I mean, I mean, <laughs> what else do you want to say? Like, he's been very consistent the past two or three years as well, especially since he got to Houston. If if you want to bring up the the Houston thing again, uh, Ryan. If my memory serves correctly, you were high on Ryan Presley entering the 2020 season. If I'm trying to like go back and rack my brain, uh, you know, these old half street high heat uh, episodes. Uh, what are your thoughts on Ryan Presley? Yeah, I, I think he's a great reliever. When you look at his numbers, to me, the most important part of being a reliever is your whip. Um, 0.96 whip is rather good big fan of that 64 innings pitch a lot in high leverage situations when you're the Astros there's going to be a lot of high leverage situations because you're constantly in a title run and that kind of stuff matters 2021 in the postseason as well he was looking rather good while pitching um I had his number right here sorry yeah in the world series he pitched three innings and not give up a run um was good in all other rounds as well when you look at his advanced metrics like some 94 percentile in K percent. He is 95 in, K, in uh, chase rate, 100 in curve spin, 84 in width percent as well. He's just a great classic reliever. His slider, negative 13 run value, curveball, negative three. Those are his two best pitches. And he's just a good three pitch reliever. Has a fastball and mixes in there as well. Uses it the most, but his curveball and his slider helps him get it done. And it's why he's so effective. Yeah, I mean, again, what can you say about the, these really good relievers that aren't the top two? Like, they're just – they're still very, very good. They're just not top two. <laughs> Trey, what are your thoughts on Ryan Presley? I also had Presley at number three. And uh, like you said, Nick, he's just been really consistent since he got into Houston and into their uh, cheating lab – I mean, pitching lab, sorry. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, no, uh, just consistently good. Low ERA, low whip, doesn't allow a lot of base runners – um, low walk rate. So pretty much everything you want from, uh, your best reliever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't really argue against it. He's just not top two because the top two, like I said, are pretty etched in stone. Uh, number one on our list is Josh Hader. Number two is Liam Hendricks. For me personally, uh, Josh Hader was just doing it first and Josh Hader has been incredibly consistent his entire career. And Liam Hendricks has been absolutely filth the past few years, but he did have a, a stretch, you know, prior to his breakout year in, I believe it was 2019 was his breakout year um, where it, it was a little up and down some good years, some not so good years, uh, especially for a reliever. But I mean, again, 2019 on Liam Hendricks has been dynamite. Josh Hader's just been doing it longer. And yeah, I think Hader gets more hype than Hendricks, but they both are equally deserving of, you know, that top, reliever status set in stone um ryan i believe you were in agreement with me and trey i'm if i'm not mistaken you had it otherwise you had had hendrix one or did you have hater one i can't hear either of you oh sorry i had my mic muted uh okay i was like oh i don't know if that was me uh, i had uh i had hater one and hendrix two okay all right so we were all in agreement there uh why is josh hater still the best reliever in baseball. I mean, combination of stuff and, uh, and appearances, at least not, maybe not from last year. Cause and lefty Gabe, too. I don't, I feel yeah, like lefty well, relievers are so in demand, especially the way that he throws, yeah, you know, impossible to pick up. 
yeah. Uh, but he's just been super consistent since 2018. He's able to kind of do whatever, you know, I was talking about Ranger Suarez, uh, hater doesn't start, but he can pitch, you know, whenever pretty much besides starting. So that's very valuable. He can go multiple innings. Uh, and I think was, I think he had, uh, mo- the most consecutive strikeouts by a reliever. If I'm not mistaken, he had yeah, I, like I eight dudes in a row in yeah. appearance. So that's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Um, as for Liam Hendricks, I mean, in terms of just entertainment value, <laughs> I'm sure y'all have seen the... Uh, oh, he's fired up every single yeah, time. Yeah, the all-star it. game uh, mic'd up session where he forgot he was mic'd up. That was pretty yep. great. Um, so, yeah, he just... he just You don't, you would talk about dog. That guy's got that dog in him. <laughs> he's got that dog in him. He's, he's a great interview, entertaining guy. Uh, and Come on he's the got pod. one of the best... Come on the pod. Love a good interview. <laughs> Dude, that would be legendary. Uh, but he's uh, also one of the best fastballs period in the game yeah and he just doesn't back down he just go he co- doesn't matter who's up there just goes after him 0.73 whip like whew, that's pretty silly uh, yeah that's i mean 2020 short and sample size but in 24 games he had a 0.67 whip <laughs> so quite good for liam hendricks ryan assuming josh Hader is let's say he he meets his career marks so far what does Liam Hendricks have to do to over overthrow him as the number one reliever in baseball? Um, don't give up a home run in the all-star game, Liam, and your career <laughs> won't be viewed differently. No, if he, Josh Hader is a really good reliever. It's just unfortunate that he's been on the mound for some rather big playoff moments that did not go in his favor. Um, Liam, just don't do that. <laughs> like Josh here is good in high leverage situations. Unfortunately, he's not the best in high leverage playoff situations. If Liam could do what he did, it'd be a little more money in the playoffs and hater uh, shout out Freddie Freeman and Juan Soto. Then he will overtake him. <laughs> Fair enough. Any honorable mentions for the reliever category? Oh, I had, um, I had Scott Barlow of the Royals. Yeah. He was a, uh, I believe Ryan had him like, eight or nine yeah uh, i think he was i think we had actually had a tie between him and gallegos and we had to talk about it if i'm not mistaken but go ahead Trey. yeah he's exceptionally talented it's just the fact that he plays on the royals right now that nobody knows who he is but he's uh if they get some buzz at all you're gonna hear this guy's name because he's got electric they stuff. might they might i i don't yeah that lineup is like they could as long as they bring up so Bobby maybe? Witt at the beginning of the year, just just start him. Screw service time. Just just bring him up. That infield is is good. Like that infield is really really good. And I'm they have a lot of potential in their pitching as well. Like uh, Brady Singer didn't have a great year last year, but mm-hmm. um, didn't he's they a, trade he's a guy... for someone notable too? Well, I, they traded a couple years back for Mike Miner, and they traded him away. No, this was this off season. They signed Zach Greinke. Oh, well, yeah, that was one. That's probably <laughs> the one I was thinking about, actually. I'm trying to pull it up really quick without ruining the pod. Um, yeah, I don't remember. All right, continue. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Oh, I was thinking of Mayor Garrett. That's 100% who I was thinking of. And not that he like oh, moves yeah. the needle all that much, but that's the trade I was thinking of, just because I recognized Amir Garrett's name. Yeah. The, the Royals are just interesting. If, they're, if their starting pitching potential can be reached, I think that they're going to be – they're going to have a chance to be good. It's just, it's a lot of, it's a lot of uh, raw talent um, that just needs to be refined. 
what's like in the little off topic here, but what's their, assuming they call up Bobby Witt, like what's their lineup look like? Do they have Mondesi DHing for them all of a sudden? Because you have Nicky Lopez. I guess Whit Merrifield could go to the outfield. Um, I don't know. It's just, I'm curious to see how they, how they deploy I would, it. I would think they'd want to put Mondesi in the field. He's got some good fielding ability. Right. I, I only this this go to him Carlos Santana, he can so DH. Much. Yeah, that's true. Then who plays first? Hunter Dozier, because they they gave him a stupid contract. Oh, I, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. That I was forgot one of those had him. That was one of those contracts that didn't work out. You know, the yeah. buyout like Acuna and Albies and got, uh but... Scott Kingery. <laughs> yeah, there's there's another one that didn't work. Yeah. All right. Well, that I, was that, reliever that one. Talk. I really don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> that was reliever talk, and we ended it by talking about uh, offensive players. <laughs> so yeah, doing a good job. A, yeah, great job here on Half Street High Heat. But that wraps ranking season. Always a lot of fun. Uh, it was meant to just fill time during the off season, but here we are, uh, just over a week away from opening day, wrapping up the ranking season, and it's exciting because right around the corner, looking ahead. Uh, you know, just on the horizon for our future episodes. We're going to have our season predictions episode coming up here shortly. And this is good preparation for some of our Cy Young predictions, maybe, you know, some other potential predictions as well. So I'm, I'm glad we did this boys. Like this was good stuff. And Trey, thank you so much for obviously putting together these YouTube videos. They're, they're awesome. They're oh awesome. yeah, dude, this is fun. It. This was really You've fun. Killing it. I, I'm very <laughs> sorry. Ryan has like been stealing all your lines all, all night long. But oh uh, well, you know, you know, I mean, I it was just that one, but I just really <laughs> wanted to say it. <laughs> All right, uh, that does it for this episode and a nice, neat bow on raking season. Uh, Thursday, Thursday, we will have a NL East preview episode. We interviewed uh, personalities, podcasters, reporters from all NL East opponents. Um, so we'll have kind of like a, a mosh pit. Uh, eclectic episode there for you and a good deep dive uh, of all of our NL East opponents. And then next week we'll be doing our, you know, specifically Nats breakdown. We're going to hit it hard, probably have a couple interviews with, uh, you know, some familiar voices, uh, familiar interviews that we've had on the show before to really get a deep dive into what to expect from the Nats. Once we hear you know, the final opening today roster and stuff like that. Um, so that will be coming next week. And then again, like I mentioned, we'll have a season predictions episode in there as well, because that's always one of the best episodes of the year, but be on the lookout for that. And some other exciting announcements coming from half street high heat uh, here as we approach opening day and be sure to check out the Twitter as we have the elite eight currently going on for our Jersey madness bracket. There's still two Nats participants in there, the Expos Baby Blues and the Nationals Navy alternates from the World Series run are still alive in the Elite Eight. They might be getting the the home field advantage boost, but they are alive nonetheless. So be sure to go vote in that poll as well. And uh, if you're watching this on YouTube or if you haven't checked out our YouTube page yet, be sure to hit that bell and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, Guys, you got anything else before we head out? No, I think I'm good this time. No, no, no quip sir. about the about the Nats and, and their, you know, their odds. No, they, they don't deserve <laughs> my energy for a quip right now. 
We love that energy. <laughs> we love yeah, that energy. That, that energy they don't none. deserve you. They don't <laughs> deserve you, King. All right. Well, be sure to follow both Ryan and Trey on Twitter at We Are All Shack and at Reverse 2R2S's and myself at Nats Moose and the show at Half Street High Heat and check out HalfStreetHighHeat.com. All the latest blogs, articles, all the good stuff. Monty has been killing it and the writing team has been killing it all offseason long. Even when there was nothing to talk about, they've been killing it. Uh, so um, kudos to them. and. Be sure to check that out because there's a lot of great stuff. But in the meantime, thank you guys for listening again. Thursday will be our NL East preview episode. We appreciate you listening. Baseball is right around the corner. Hang in there. The Nats may suck, but baseball doesn't. All right, guys. Talk to you later. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls all at the commentator who has the causes past the wall to see you later. The early light of dawn, well, you can see they're running scared. Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air. Tell the Library of Congress that they might not wanna look. Cause we're putting curly W's in every book. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's go. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.